Hey everyone, Chris Wan here, and this is Accent Out Loud, a podcast by Lucid Accent Consulting. Your weekly glimpse on one person's take on English language learning, accents, experimentation, and learning. What's up, everyone? In this episode, um, it's a bit of a rant. I think there, or maybe more of a thought. Um, not, I'm not really ranting about anything, but there's two ways that I think people should, should be approaching accent learning or accent modification and communication enhancement. And these are sort of left and right field. So bear with me on describing what I think people should be doing. One way is the sort of traditional way. And I think people in the traditional way there's a lot of foundational work that should be learned so when you are learning how to make sounds differently you have to have a basis of understanding so a you have to learn what mouth parts are involved in speech and sound production specific to sounds that are produced from airflow from the lungs pulmonic sounds if We've got some linguistics people that are geeking out about this type of thing or arguing semantics. And in that, in, in this sort of way, I'm trying to build content. So we have this uh, episode three of my podcast was about producing or what mouth parts are involved in producing sound. Uh, episode four is about the international phonetic alphabet and sort of how people make sounds. What is the manner of articulation and where is the focal point of airflow obstruction or what are the articulators involved main main articulators involved in this sound production so if you were talking about the s sound we know it's a fricative so it's turbulent airflow through a narrowed passage and it is alveolar so the tongue is touching the ridge behind the upper teeth so that's the traditional aspect or traditional way that I think people should be learning. You learn what's involved in speech, you learn how we categorize sounds in speech, and then you start building from that. Do I have all the sounds or English sounds? And do I have them properly? If you don't have the TH sound, then you work on the TH sound. If you don't have the V sound, then you work on the V sound. If you don't have the SH sound, the SH sound, you work on the SH sound and then you do that systematically picking up those things that you are missing. The other way that I think you can also target it is functionally. So picking which words, which phrases that you need, whether this is for work and you are calling clients and they have specific trouble with certain words, write down all the words, write down all the phrases that you use on a daily basis. Hi, good morning, how are you? I'm calling from blank. Um, are you interested in a new cell phone plan? I don't know, things like that. If you pick up those specific phrases, write them all down so that you have a list of, like, I don't know, a 10-page list of words that you, or words or phrases that you always use. If you can practice that paragraph, that phrase, that word, then you can dissect how you say it to how somebody else says it. And that's a very narrowed focused way of, of attacking accent modification. If you write down all these words, 
you identify these are the words that I have trouble with, or these are the words that clients, friends, strangers tell me I have, I notice that they, they ask me to repeat myself on. Find somebody who is a native English speaker, record how they say it, compare it to how you say it. Now you have a sample of native English speech and your speech. So let's say you have trouble with a word. Let's say the word is theater. I want you to record yourself saying the word theater. Record a native English speaker who says the same word, theater, and then compare the two. Try and listen. What's the difference? Let's say you say, Sierra, Sierra. So you're listening, theater, Sierra, theater, Sierra. You notice the TH sound. I replace it with an S. So then you have to work on that. And then maybe with that practice, you get to the point of saying theater, theater. Not quite the same as the native English speaker. Let's pretend this is North American English. And you get theater versus theater, theater, theater. And then you notice, hey, that the other thing that's wrong or the other thing that's different is the R sound. I don't fully make that hard R that is common in North American English. I want to work on that part. So then you have to do theater to theater, theater, theater. And then once you get more comfortable with it, then you have the word theater, theater, theater. And then you put that into a sentence. Maybe you use it in a uh, functional phrase. Maybe you work at a cineplex or a movie theater and you have to greet the guests and you say, welcome to the theater. Right? Maybe at first you, you, you used to say, welcome to the theater. And then you change that to, welcome to the theater. Welcome to the theater. And then slowly over time, you have to remember to say that R sound. And then you do, welcome to the theater. Welcome to the theater. Welcome to the theater. You got to put in perspective, analyze each part and attack each part that's different. And then slowly by slowly, you work on those phrases that are functional for you, that you're gonna use every day. And then you, you tackle them one by one, one by one, until you have all the sounds that you need and nobody, nobody notices or nobody asks you to repeat yourself anymore. That's the other way that you can approach accent modification. The one thing about that or the caveat behind that is that if you are tackling it on a case-by-case -case basis, then you're not tackling the process. So what I mean by that is if you are tackling it on a case-by-case -case basis, theater, for example, I worry that you don't realize or you don't take the time to learn the process, which maybe is all TH sounds are this way. So then if you go to, um, Another word like fin, maybe you, you can say theater, but you go back to saying sin instead of thin. That's the thing that I think I, in that one specific scenario, gravitate more towards your traditional way of learning, the first one that I was talking about. But if the final outcome of option B or option two of approaching accent modification is that if you've addressed the functional words that you've used, uh, that you need to use, 
then is that good enough for you? Are you content with practicing and improving the 100 words or 100 phrases that you always use and the rest don't matter as much? It's up to you guys how, which one you pick, but those are just my thoughts on that. <laughs> I don't know. I, I was inspired to think about that and talk about that today. Hopefully, I can keep churning these out on a more regular basis because I do have a lot of random thoughts like this every once in a while. Definitely more than a weekly basis. But let me know what you think. Do you like these ones more than the long form educational ones? Anyways, have a good one.